For the last three weeks, the Lord has been speaking to my heart about the word grace. Grace. And so I will begin a series of lessons this morning, maybe up until Christmas, on grace. I know of no greater place to begin than the text in John 8. I will read beginning at verse number 1. Actually, this thought in verse 1 continues from the last verse of chapter 7, verse 53. Though not on the screen, verse 53 of John 7 says, And everyone went to his own house. And verse 1 of chapter 8, where we begin, says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him. And he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he didn't hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. The question is, to stone or not to stone? You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Keep your Bibles open, if you would, for reference. Not everything I have that the Lord has given me is on the screen. And I, I just like to reflect to the Word as you have it. Really, this, this story tells itself. The narrative of what took place here, what you see on the surface is what's in the entire story. And yet there are some facts, there are some underpinning truths here that should be amplified based on grace, mercy, and forgiveness. On a day in Jesus' life, there was a woman who was brought to Jesus by the ruling authorities. This woman was a debtor. She owed a debt. 
The debt that she owed was so high that there was no way that she could ever repay it. The debt she owed was a result of unforgiven sin. The authorities wanted her to pay the ultimate price. They wanted to condemn her to death by stoning her. But before they carried out their plans, they brought the woman to Jesus to see what he might say about this whole matter. What Jesus did on that day changed her life forever. It gave her a brand new start. And and this morning in our time together, in these moments, as we see the grace and forgiveness that Jesus gave that woman on that day... I am beseeched by the Holy Spirit to ask you and for me also to examine ourselves. Please understand this, and I will clarify. Each of us are present somewhere in this story. We may be like the woman, condemned by everyone, but needing forgiveness. Or we may be like the Pharisees, Self-righteous judges of others, but unable to see our own need. But what I'm hopeful for is by the end of our time together, and before you leave today, we will all recognize our need to be like Jesus. The one who gave forgiveness when condemnation would have been justified. So there's some thoughts of which the Spirit brought my attention to, to which I'd like to share with you about this idea of to stone or not to stone. I might begin with this, that Jesus' forgiveness of my sin is not based on my innocence. In verse 4, please, the Bible says that this woman was brought to Jesus. They said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Have you ever been caught in the act of something? Go ahead and say amen now. We'll have altar call later. (laughs) Caught in the act. They told me that this car could go from zero to 60 in 30 seconds. This is a straight road. No other cars are here. I don't see anybody around. I wonder if this baby could really do that. Next thing you know, there's a blue light special right behind you. And you're thinking, where did he come from? And and you're caught in the act. The radar gun has your number because there was no other car on the highway, so there was no other number. You knew, you knew what you were doing, and so you, you pull aside and you submit and you say to the, the law enforcement, Do you know why I stopped you, sir or ma'am? Uh, yes, officer, I do know. You see, the thing about being caught in the act is whenever you're caught in the act, there's no point arguing. Uh, 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 the, the radar here shows, this, 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 sir, is a 55-mile-an-hour zone, and you were doing 75. Uh, uh uh, officer, in my pleading for mercy here, I just got this car and I just had this itch to see if it could get up to 60. Uh, uh, and, and, and the officer said, it did, didn't it? 
Now, what is your name? Where's your driver's license number? Show me the ID of the vehicle. The evidence is there. There, There's no use in trying to blame someone else. The guilt is yours. When you're caught in the act and, and, and being caught, you must deal with the consequences. In this story, the woman was caught in the act. She was guilty of the crime. Her accusers were right. She did not put up any defense, did she? The only thing that was left to be decided was what they were going to do about her guilt. What was her penalty going to be? And again, I refer you to this thought, Jesus' forgiveness of my sin is not based on my innocence. The Bible records that when it comes to guilt or innocence, all of us are guilty of sin. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. From the time of Adam and Eve until today, and as long as human beings survive, every person that is born will be born a sinner. All doesn't mean me and not you, and all doesn't mean you and not me. All means, I thought you know it, everybody. The forgiveness that Jesus offers to us is not because of our innocence. It is in spite of our guilt. In fact, according to the Bible, admitting to our guilt is a requirement of receiving God's grace. In 1 John 1 and 9, the Bible says, if we confess our sins, if we admit our guilt that we are not innocent, the prerequisite for getting more grace and saving grace, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Everybody's been saved, thank the Lord, because it wasn't because of your innocence, it's because of His grace. There's another thought that comes from this text. Jesus' forgiveness of my sin is not limited by the severity of my sin. The word adultery. Verse 4. This woman who stood before Jesus and the crowd of her accusers had just committed the act of adultery. The sin that she committed was a serious crime. It is not considered a serious crime in our day, but in the day of Jesus it was. This act of adultery was one of many crimes that in that day carried the death penalty. It was ranked right along with murder, kidnapping, witchcraft, and offering human sacrifice. And I might for a moment ask you to picture the scene of this woman being brought to Jesus. The Bible says Jesus is at the temple and he was right in the middle of teaching a group of people who were gathered around him. When all of a sudden Jesus is interrupted by the shouts of many men and the wailing of one woman. It would be comparable to a prostitute being dragged in here by a group of police officers right in the middle of my message. All the woman wants is to crawl into a corner and hide. She is probably half clothed if she was caught in the act. And the clothing she has on now, because they didn't give her time to cover up her body before dragging her out of the house and into the streets. 
The clothing she has now is disheveled and probably falling off. The last place that she wants to be is near the temple. She feels so ashamed and so guilty. Her accusers won't even allow her to ball up on the floor in a fetal position and and try to protect herself. No, they have her standing erect in front of the temple, in front of Jesus, in front of the worshipers, and they being the accusers. There she is. For everybody to see her, see her wickedness and the crime she had committed. She knew what she had done. She knew the severity of her sin. And if she didn't know all the way from the place where she was captured in her act to the distance of where the temple was, there were peering eyes through doors. Mothers pulling children out of the street. Self-righteous folks folding their arm, looking, I knew, I knew it was coming. Let me tell you, there's a whole lot of people sometimes willing to help the devil expose you. So if she didn't know the severity of a crime and the penalty on the way, she would have known it by the time she got in front of Jesus. What she did not know, however, was, oh, help me, Holy Ghost. No matter how severe her sin was, Jesus could still forgive her sins. Isaiah 1 and 18 says, come now, let us reason together. Somebody ought to say amen because you had a reasoning session with God because of the severity of your sin. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If God's ever forgiven you of anything, you ought to thank God. He didn't kill you. Let you live. Yes. So no matter how severe her sin was, no matter how severe your sin might be this morning, God's grace and God's forgiveness is always greater than our sins. And I've I've kind of played the part sometimes, acting like after you got saved, you never sin. That's a lie. We, just about every, oh God help me, I, I don't know whether to stone me or stone you. I think I'll just stone me. I, I, I need to tell you that, that some people will not come to Jesus because they think they've gone beyond the scope of God's forgiveness. And maybe sometimes I've contributed to that in my passion and my zeal for righteousness. Maybe sometimes I've given the wrong message, but I've got to balance the message this morning. There's some people who do not believe they can come to Jesus because their sin is worse than everybody else. Listen to me when I tell you that if God can forgive this woman caught in the act of adultery, if God can forgive the men and women who crucified His Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross of Calvary, if God could forgive Alan Matura and whatever your name is, if you are breathing and you are alive, I don't care how far down you've been and how long you've been there, there is not a sin that you have committed. If you are truly repentant, God's grace and forgiveness is greater than all of our sins. 
Thank you, Lord. Oh, bless his name. But it's a little dilemma I got to deal with here. Most of the people that I encounter in this self-righteous age of living, they don't have a problem with understanding and wondering whether God can forgive or not. For a lot of people I meet, the question is not whether God can forgive, but whether or not what they have done needs forgiving. In their own eyes, and maybe in the eyes of others, they are good people. But the reason that they see themselves as good people is because they are constantly comparing themselves to other people. Let me elaborate by, by, by saying, people say things like, compared to my neighbor, or compared to my brother, or compared to the guy I saw in the news, I, I'm doing pretty good. I mean, after all, I'm here in church, aren't I? Wow. I got this. Uh, you see, while I'm preaching, I got a process. I got, I got a process. Do, do I say that or do I not say that? Yes, I will. Do you want to know some of the other sins? And if you don't, I'm going to say it anyhow. Do you want to know some of the other sins that are worthy of the death penalty in Jesus' day? In Jesus' day, another sin worthy of the death penalty was striking or cussing your parents. In Jesus' day, another sin worthy of the death penalty was working on the Sabbath day. Sort of like working on Sunday in today's society. In in Jesus' day, another sin worthy of the death penalty was using God's name in vain or cussing. Using God's name for a cuss word. The sin of rebellion, worthy of the death penalty. The sin of premarital sex, among other sins. Matter of fact, Jesus took it a little bit further when you study the Word of God in the New Testament. When Jesus said, if you're angry with someone, then you're guilty of sin and murder. Jesus took it a little further and He said, if you look at another man or a woman and you lust after them in your heart, then it's the same as in God's eyes if you had sex with them and you're guilty of sin. And so if that's the case, you know, we might as well line everybody else up, all of us here around this wall, and bring the firing squad in, let all of us get shot, because we are all guilty of something! Now, now here's go. if I match myself up against you, I might come out looking good, but if I match myself up against you, I might come out looking bad. It just depends who among you that I match myself up with. This comparison stuff. Well, my sin is not, sin is sin. Look what the Bible says about comparing. I use the New International Version, 2 Corinthians 10, 12. On the screen, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who condemn themselves, or command themselves, pardon me. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves. They are not wise. And what the Lord is saying to us, and, and we understand about His grace, is that the Bible says in Romans 3 and 23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So what that means is, is that we are not comparing ourselves with one another. We are to compare ourselves with God. And when we put ourselves alongside the perfect holiness of God, then we become wicked sinners without God. Can I get a witness here? By faith. The woman we're reading about in our, in our text facing Jesus that day, she didn't need to be convinced of her sinfulness or the severity of her sinfulness. She already knew she was a sinner. She already knew that her sin was worthy of the death penalty. What she needed to understand that God's forgiveness was stronger than her sin. Thank you, Lord, for that for my life. 
Thank you for grace. Please let me give you another thought. The third thought from this lesson is Jesus' forgiveness of my sin is not because he has set aside the requirements of the law. So here comes the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the pompous, pious priests. And they said to the Lord in verse 5, Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What do you say? The Pharisees thought they had Jesus in a position where there was no way that he could get out of this sticky mess. Here's the dilemma. If Jesus set aside the requirements of the law, then they could arrest Jesus for blasphemy and they could turn the people against Jesus. Here's the other part of the dilemma. If Jesus went along with the plan of the crowd and stoned the woman, they could get him in trouble with the Romans. Because the Roman government was the ruling authority of that day and only the Roman government had the right to carry out punishment as it is especially in the death penalty. So Jesus was between a rock and a hard place. This is the law. Do you lay it aside? Or do you break the law of the Roman government and allow us to go ahead and kill this woman? And from all appearances, Jesus had no choice but to do what the accusers suggested. The woman had sinned and someone had to pay. How could Jesus do as he did and just forgive her? I mean, who's going to pay her penalty? Did Jesus just excuse her sin and say, Oh, I can tell you're sorry for what you did. So just don't do it anymore and you'll be okay. When you and I stand before the gate of heaven, is Jesus just going to excuse our sin? Is he going to say something like this? I know you really didn't want to go over the speed limit. Uh, I, I know you didn't want to take advantage of other people and treat other people badly. I, I know you feel really bad about the way you lived your life on earth, even though my son died on the cross for your sins. And you, I, I know you feel really bad about all that. And, and so what I'm going to do is just we're just going to pretend that all of those things you did never happened. And I'll set aside the penalty you're supposed to bear. Is that what's going on here? No, I don't think so. And I know you don't think so either. Jesus, in his ministry, Jesus never set aside the law. I would remind you that in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 17, this is what Jesus said about the law and the requirement of the law. He said, do not think that I come to destroy the law or the prophets. I didn't come to destroy, but to fulfill. Give me a witness. So what's going on here, Pastor? How can Jesus be just and let her off the hook? And the answer is this. The reason that Jesus could be just is because he, Jesus, took the penalty that she owed and he placed it on himself. 
According to the chronology of this account, where Jesus forgives this woman caught in the act of adultery, according to the chronology, one year later, Jesus would die on a cross outside the gates of Jerusalem on a hill called Calvary. And when Jesus died that one year later from forgiving her, one of the sins He took upon Him was the sin of this adulterous woman and said, You deserve to be hanging here, but... But I took your sin, and as a result, I didn't lay aside the law. I paid the penalty the law required. Oh, I need somebody to help me praise the Lord. You see, when Jesus offers forgiveness to us, the only reason that He can do so is because the penalty that we owe has already been paid. It's been paid by Jesus. Every lie that we have ever spoken, every unkind word that we have ever said, every unclean evil thought, every bit of our envy and every lustful thought, every sin makes us guilty before God. But the Bible says every one of those sins was placed on Jesus and He paid for our sins with His own blood. The penalty of sin is death. But I like what it says in 1 Peter 2 and 24. Look at what it says about Jesus who Himself bore our sins in His own body on the tree that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, because you didn't set aside the penalty the woman owed. You paid it. I heard the story of a judge. At his bench one day, his son was brought before him for breaking the law. The defense attorney was there and the prosecuting attorney were there. And the case was presented, the evidence presented that the judge's son had broken the law. And the judgment having been pronounced that he is guilty, the penalty was now due. The nature of his offense required that he pay financial remuneration. A considerable sum of money as it had to do with the measure of the intensity of his violation. And the judge, sitting on the bench, looks down at his son. And he has, he says, May the accused and now convicted stand, please. And he had, so the attorney stood. And the attorneys, as we see in TV and we've seen in courtrooms. Judge took his gavel, hit it on the, his desk. I pronounce you guilty, and such and such is the crime, and I'll just choose a number, $1,000. You pay it, or you go to jail for X number of days. There are tears streaming down the face of his son. He and his son both knows his son doesn't have the capacity, the means, to pay the penalty. Therefore, he's headed to jail. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. 
The judge, having pronounced the verdict, steps off the bench, takes off his robe, walks down here to where his boy is, goes over to the clerk of the court, pulls out the money, and says, I will pay the price for my boy. Let him go free. And the judge can do it, just like Jesus can do it. We were guilty and are on our way to hell. The devil says, I want them. I got them. And I am going to take them. And Jesus took his royal robe off in heaven, stepped down on the clouds, came down to the earth, born in a manger, and said to the Father at age 33 and a half, No, they will not go to hell. I will go to the cross. Nobody will make me go. I will go and I will pay the penalty for mine, my children, my creation. Somebody thank God that you were included in that number. Somebody praise Him here. We deserve to be stoned. But Jesus... Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. Let me show you something else. And if this makes you mad, you just need grace. Some people just... I don't know of anybody. I'm just kind of playing off, you know. Some people just can't stand it. Other people can't be blessed. It took me a while to reconcile how somebody could pray on their deathbed, Lord, God, save me. When they live like, pardon the expression, you'll understand it. When they live like hell all their life. Here come the last minute. Call the priest. Call the pastor. Bring the communion. I'm ready to get saved. It really... I used to, my flesh used to think, here I come, I don't smoke and chew and cuss. And I'm serving your, they can get, let me tell you something, the Holy Ghost, he's such a good Holy Ghost. I mean, the Holy Ghost can use the spirit of slap if he wanted it. I'm just still a student. Jesus looked at the man on the cross and said, when the man said, today, Remember me when you're coming to your kingdom. Same opportunity on this side. The guy says, you can't save yourself. How are you going to save us? I'm paraphrasing. If you're Jesus, save us. This guy says, pardon, in, in modern vernacular. He leaned his head over looking beyond Jesus. What are you, stupid? Really? really? I mean, you had a, ain't, you know, you ain't got no hope. Man, you deserve to be right here. Today, remember me. Jesus remembered him. He didn't say, now, first you've got to get down and go get baptized at South Metro Ministry. Get down in there. Then you've got to join the church. I'm just preaching here. If Jesus wants to forgive somebody in their last breath, he died for them, I didn't. He made heaven, I didn't. Thank you for forgiving me in the mix. In the mix. You see, Jesus' forgiveness of my sin and your sin is the only thing that stands between we and death. I, I, I need, to, need to hurry and tell you. There was nothing, there was not one thing this woman could do to get herself out of this mess that she was in. The law required that she be stoned to death, so the law was against her. 
the self-righteous scribes and Pharisees and religious people who should try to find a way to minister and help her were against her. And the only thing that stood between she and their pelting stones and boulders was Jesus. Can I get an amen, somebody? Jesus said in John 14 and 6, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes unto the Father but but by me. Hey, the only thing that stands between you and me and death, you and death, is not your money. No. No amount of money can keep you from the appointed day of death. I told you before, and I'll tell you again, I've done a lot of funerals, and I've yet to see a U-Haul trailer hitched up to the back of a hearse taking your money with you. Uh-uh. Ain't happening. The only thing that stands between my sin and my worthiness of death, if I'm still a sinner, is Jesus. Your money don't stand between you and death. Your family genealogy doesn't stand between you and death. Your spouse, your church attendance, your, 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 whatever it is, your job, whatever it is, your self-righteousness doesn't stand between you and death. The only thing that stands between you and eternal death and the hell that we deserve is the Lord Jesus Christ, who even though He knew we deserved death, gave us life. I'm hurrying. Here's another thought. Jesus' forgiveness of my sin is evidence of His concern for me as an individual. The Pharisees and the scribes brought this woman to Jesus, caught in the act of adultery. And they came with a question. What do you want us to do? You being a holy man. And they really came... Not because they were concerned about her soul and they could care less about Jesus because they were looking for some they was they were looking for something somewhere to nail him. They wanted to crucify him because he was a giver of grace and forgiveness. They accused them of being a friend of sinners. They accused them of being a wine-bibber. They accused them of casting out devils in the name of the devil. Come on and help me here. They, they, they accused them of hanging, and they presumed that if he hang around sinners and, and, and went and ministered to people, because Jesus came and said, well, people don't need a doctor. It's sick people who need a doctor. I didn't come to save the save. I came to save the sinners. And in order for me to find them, i got to go where they are. I don't have to mean that i got to rub off. they got to rub off on me. It doesn't have to mean that just because I'm sitting and I'm working among them or in a carpool among them and I got to become one like them but I can be salt and I can be light and I can let Jesus can say I can let my glory and my grace and the reason I came overflow let me tell you you see Jesus is concerned for us you already know that we know this crowd didn't care about this woman if they really cared about what the law said where is the man with whom she was guilty of the act. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about here. You're adults. Somebody said it takes two to a hump. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they said. If they cared about the law, where was the guy? It is suggested, and I don't believe it's 
completely without substance. It suggested that they may have set the whole thing up, these Pharisees. They may have coaxed a man to lure her into his house and they would probably pay him and they would catch them together in the act. They would let him go and they would take her because in order to get to Jesus, they don't mind killing this woman. They didn't care nothing about the law. Did anybody hear what I have to say? And they cared nothing about the woman. But thank God, even though your accusers drag you before somebody else or try to get somebody to agree that you are heathen, Jesus intervenes and says, this is my child. Her soul is valuable. His future is valuable. The eternity is secure. I don't care about the law. I care about God's truth. I hasten. Jesus' forgiveness of my sin is not because he's not qualified to condemn me of my sin. Jesus did something amazing. When they all gathered, now just kind of picture this. I don't know if you've got your photographic memory. Let's, let, let's, let's imagine there's a, that, that Jesus is, is here and he's on, he's, this is the, he's, he stands up, they bring the woman. What, what, what should we do with it? Courtney, look at her, she, adultery. Just look at her. The law says we should pelt at her death. What do you say? He just goes down in the ground and starts writing. It's the first and only sermon he ever wrote, and nobody knows what it is. We, we don't know what that sermon is, but we know what it did. I feel a whoop, Chloe. He's just writing like y'all talk all you want to. And they just kept pressing it. Kept pressing it. He wasn't paying them no attention. They got mad. They just kept pressing it. Now, let, me, let me help myself out and help you out. If you already told a person that their offense it is and told it to the Lord, just, just now leave it with the Lord now. You know? Don't send any more emails. Ah, uh, I'm a preacher, little idiot. Let's see, how many do I have on this group message? I wonder how much this phone can hold of text messages. A thousand? Quit, quit sending stuff out and helping. The de- helping, helping. I, I, don't mean, I don't mean this bad. But two women got talking on the phone about well, something went wrong and somebody did somebody wrong and, and bad stuff. And the one woman said, you know what? I better hang up. I done went and told you more stuff than was told me. You know, somebody says, they think maybe Jesus was writing on the ground and he may have wrote the Ten Commandments. And writing on the ground, he wrote the Ten I don't know how long it took. He might have wrote something like, yes, this woman has broken the Seventh Commandment, but how are you in keeping the other nine? Maybe Jesus did this. Maybe, maybe in writing on the ground, everybody waiting. they so mad. They got fire in their eyes and grit in their teeth and iron in their claw. And he's writing. Maybe he wrote the Alan. November 10 at the Walmart. (laughs) Jeff, November 10 at the Walmart. You were with him. (laughs) And maybe he wrote down there, as soon as we get through pelting the both of you, this woman will pelt you. 
Jesus said the criteria. He stood up after they kept. Which of you without sin? Jesus said the criteria for judging righteous judgment is that you have no sin. So any of you in this crowd don't have any sin at all. Just start throwing. And they started dropping. You see, let, 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 me, let me tell you what. Stoning back then was like this, and i got to hurry. Uh, the stoning in the, the, in the biblical days of carrying out this law, the, the two witnesses, because you couldn't accuse somebody of a criminal uh, death offense, penalty, death penalty offense without two witnesses. Nobody could be put to death without two witnesses affirming the violation of the law. And the two witnesses, they would go first. The person on the dirt, in this case the woman, the two witnesses would get large, boulder-like, heavy stones and rocks. And they would go first. And I don't mean to be gory, gory, I just mean to be literal. The agony here. They would take, one would take a bash in the chest cavity. And if that didn't kill, the other would take their stone and rock and bash in the head. And if the victim of the stoning didn't die from both of those, others would take stones and pelt it. And Jesus said, any of you, without, they started dropping stones. Jesus' forgiveness of my sin provides, proves that he desires to heal me and not condemn me. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. I need to close with this, and because of time, I'm going to hurry here. I need to tell you that after he said, neither do I condemn thee, because Jesus didn't come to kill us, he came to save us. In 1 Peter, the Bible says, Jesus is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to salvation. Jesus himself said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And Jesus, in the next verse of John 3, says in verse 17, for I didn't come. To condemn the sinners. I came to save the sinners. Amen? And, and my point to you is that after he has told us, neither do I condemn thee, he says, go and sin no more. There is the criteria. Stop making sin the habit of your life. He wanted the woman to know that just because I forgive you doesn't mean that now you're forgiven. You go back and do what you want to because I'll always forgive you. And so go ahead. I've been forgiven. Let's go party. And I'll come back and get forgiven and we'll go party again. Sin is a serious offense. You can't keep on practicing sin and make heaven your home. I don't care who told you otherwise. Jesus didn't shed his blood for us to sin and keep on sinning. Go and sin no more. Bow your heads, please. Every head bowed. Oh, Father, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. And somewhere in this story, I've seen myself. Actually, I've seen myself as the three categories I described. I have seen myself as this woman, guilty, condemned, and I knew it. I have seen myself more times than I want to admit as the Pharisees. Looking at somebody else's speck in their eyes while I have a large pole hanging out of mine. And I've been guilty as a pastor and as a leader 
for leading the mob when I should be kneeling in surrender. But I want to see myself more like Jesus. I want all of us to be more like Jesus. I do not want to ignore sin. I want to, I want to bring it to the light so that the light of Jesus, who is the light of the world, can shine and remove the darkness. Pastor Matura, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I need forgiveness for sin. I'm not going to ask you to leave the chair. I'm not going to ask you to leave nowhere. I'm just going to ask you right where you're sitting. And I'm going to give you ten seconds. And then if I haven't preached and the Holy Spirit hasn't done it in these times together, then, then I, I submit to another way. I need forgiveness of my sins. I'm guilty. And I need the Lord to save me before I leave today. I want to acknowledge I need a Savior. Raise your hand if that's you. Thank you. Hold it up. I want nobody else, just me and you. Just me and you. Hold it up just a moment. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Hold it up just a moment. Just a little. One, two, three, four, five, six. Don't, don't put it down. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Now put it down. Everybody else, clap your hands. Everybody else, praise the Lord. Everybody else. Right where you're seated, look at me. Everybody look at me. Everybody repeat this prayer after me. Everybody look at me and repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus. Guilty as charged. Can't hide it. Can't run from it. I'm a sinner. Forgive me. I acknowledge that the only thing that stands between me and death is you. Thank you, Jesus, for taking my sins. Thank you for dying in my place. I believe that you, Jesus, you are the only begotten. Son of God, who died in my place. I gladly, boldly, unashamedly accept your gift of salvation. By faith, I am clean. I am washed. I'm saved. There is no more condemnation. I am in Christ, and I'm glad. Stand to your feet now, everybody, and give the Lord a praise. Stand up and praise the Lord. Get ready to sing something for me. Don't leave now. I've got something else I want to do. So, so hang in here with me a moment. Come on. Come on. Help me praise Him. Yes. Yes. Grace. grace.